Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hooper. Hey guys, this is What Was Her Name? My name is Cami, and I have the honor of sharing my story with you today. Before I get into my story, I'd like to share a spoken word I've written. I got my fingernails painted a muted pink. Not that I liked pink all that much, but when mom asked me to go get them done with her, I knew the occasion. No one had to tell me. I sensed it was coming. So I picked the pink because it was happy, just like I thought I would be. But little did I know that after that day, after the question was asked, the knee knelt in the ring place, that I'd lived that moment in my head every day I was with him after, just hoping I'd be happy again or simply safe. Because on that day, I'd pause it like a favorite scene in a fairy tale movie and I'd go back. I'd act like I couldn't tell he was nervous and like I didn't know he was going to ask. Like I didn't notice how protective he was of that backpack that not so secretly held the diamond ring and I'd replay the happy tears I cried and every single word he said and the blurry picture taken after I enthusiastically said yes. And if I didn't leave like I did, I would still be replaying that scene in my head for as long as we both shall live. Because you see, it was the end of an era that day. Being a fiancé is different than being the girlfriend, more permanent, I guess, closer to being family, more easily controlled with a hook in my lip. And I thought from then on out, it'd be butterflies and roses, that I'd go with my mom and his to try on dresses. We would plan the showers, visit the venues, try out bridal updos with my long tresses, but it didn't go that way. The nightmare began as soon as the fairy tale ended and I was disheveled from the shock of it. It was like a dream full of beautiful colors and life while unknowingly the bad guy stood behind you with a knife. Except the bad guy looked like the prince you once knew and so you walk on eggshells and watch as he grew further away from what you once knew. The one who rescued you from the tower turned out to be the villain himself. How can you protect your future marriage if you can't even protect yourself? Yeah, sure, I'm certain there are those of you who still won't believe me. People who think abuse is only when you show up with a black eye and busted lip. Those who don't know what it's like to live constantly unsure of what guy you're going to get, Jekyll or Hyde. Neither gave me a black eye or a busted lip, but they did give me PTSD and severe panic attacks and sexual trauma. They did leave scars on my heart, mind, and other parts of me people can't see. They did take away my dignity for some time when they make me swallow their secretion and their secret of life live behind the mask of a charming guy. They tell me to keep quiet, shut your mouth, don't speak out because you'll ruin his career, his family name, his reputation. It'll cost him so much. Too bad it would cost me everything except my salvation to not die every time I heard his name come out of someone's mouth. To not go into a panic attack whenever my gag reflexes kicked in when simply brushing my teeth, reminding me of the gagging that followed the things he would do to me. Or how if I simply felt like something was too close to my neck, I'd stop breathing and a million other tiny triggers I've learned to deal with on the daily. He would laugh as he'd say, you can't deny me when you're my wife. 
and proceed to force himself down my throat physically and emotionally, mentally in every way, even though I wasn't his. And I wonder sometimes if I went through with it, had I married him, what other horrid things would have he done to me? I shivered to think of it. Now let me make this clear. This isn't a place where I will blast his name. My story is not told here in hopes of some small fame. These here words are some of my deepest heart wounds on a page. Not for the sake of pain, but for the desire to offer hope, even in the deepest of aches. I'm here to tell you, your story doesn't end here with abuse, friend. Our stories do not end here. There is hope for you here and ahead. So here's my story. Hi, guys. Again, my name is Cammie, and this is my sexual assault and abuse story. So um, the first time I was sexually assaulted, I was 15 years old. Um, it was a guy I was dating, and things were fine at first, and um, we would kiss, we'd make out, and things were fine, but then he would begin to try to touch me um, in private areas, mainly like my, my breast and, um, I wasn't comfortable with it. And so I would push him away. I tell him, I, you know, I don't want to. And then one day he just didn't care that I said, no, not I push, was pushing him away. And he proceeded to remove clothing to, um, to grab me, to touch me in inappropriate ways. And, no one heard me. And so from that moment forward, I, when I found myself in situations like this, I would just freeze and I would stop making noise because I believed this lie that if I just was quiet and, um, just stopped moving that it would go quicker and it would hurt less. So that was when I was 15 years old and, um, yeah, I did not know how to deal with it, to be honest. Um, I am a person of faith. I believe in God. I believe um, that Jesus died for my sins, and I believe in him as my Lord and Savior and am in relationship with him. And I know not everyone listening to this podcast believes that, And um, but I, I feel it's necessary to share this part of my story. So after that happened to me when I was 15, I got out of the relationship somewhere around 16, um, a little after I was 16. And I just, um, I was so broken and shattered. Um, a lot of the things I learned growing up in purity culture was just like, it was my responsibility to stay clean, <laughs> to stay pure, to keep my virginity intact and um, just not to cause anyone to sin by the way I dress and acted. And, um, I see now a lot of things messed up with that, but I, because of that, I didn't feel like there was a place I could go to admit this to other people, but I did feel safe admitting, you know, talking to God about it. And so I ran to God with it and, um, I started to write. I started to write in this prayer journal and I would just write these prayers and then I would write this poetry and I really felt that it was helping me. And it's continually been um, just like a healing thing for me to be able to write. Um, so anyways, yeah, I was 15 
And how that affected me moving forward was, first of all, I, um, I became very passionate about like sexual, um, assault victims and specifically like sex trafficking, like victims and survivors. I became very passionate and wanted to work with them. I did training and stuff like that to work with survivors. And when I graduated high school, I, um, actually went to India where I worked with a program that rescues and rehabilitates survivors of sex trafficking. And we would use art therapy, um, as a form of rehabilitation. And so I did all those things and that was great, but, um, I still did not talk to anyone about what had happened to me when I was 15. And so I just had a lot of built up just anger and pain and frustration and just confusion, honestly. And that really showed up in my dating patterns. Um, I, like, I remember specifically in high school, like there was a guy I was friends with that, um, was very kind to me and wanted to date me. And he was just such a kind guy. And since then I've apologized so much to him and like, we're fine. But, um, this guy was so kind to me and I refused to date him. I was so hard on him. I did not know how to receive a good love in the context of romantic relationships. I, I grew up in a great family, great parents, but I did not open up to them about these things. And so I really just ran to relationships that were unhealthy. And so, yeah, this one guy, just, I was terrible too. And, um, I started dating a guy who is older and just not (laughs) good for me, not necessarily abusive, but just very manipulative. Um, and anyways, um, so yeah, I ended up, um, moving after I graduated high school. Um, and I continued to want to work with a woman coming out of sex trafficking. And so I would volunteer with a lot of different organizations, things like that. And I was very aware of, um, how women were trafficked and such and about honestly, just about abuse in general, not just sex trafficking, but sexual abuse yet, I still did not dive into my own healing for a long time. So anyways, um, I'm trying to condense a very long story, but I I came to a point where I got into a relationship with a guy I had known for a very long time. Um, I was in uh, college. I was in undergrad and um, me and this guy dated for a while. Um, I want to say we dated like three years, two and a half, three years, um, before, um, we ended up getting engaged. And when we were dating, things were great, or at least, um, for me, they, they seemed really great. Then looking back now, I can see little things along the way that probably would have been big signs had I talked to a counselor or really done, um, some more, work towards healing on my own, but, um, things were, were okay when we were dating. And, uh, once we got engaged, things completely shifted in a way that was, um, very scary. And before I get into all, 
all the details of that. Um, I do want to say, and this isn't to scare anyone, but just to warn others who have been through these situations, it is not unlikely for someone who has been through assault and abuse um, in relationships to end up in another relationship where there is assault and abuse. And I'm not saying that happens for everyone. I'm just saying it's not unlikely. And so it's very important. I'm saying this to you as someone who's looking back on their story and has experienced this. It is very important for you to um, go through the healing journey and really recognize um, your dating patterns and really talk to someone, have people who are safe, uh, who will speak into that area of your life. So you're not ending up in the same situation again. And again, not saying that to scare anyone, but I am just saying, um, it ha I don't know the statistics, but it has been proven that a lot of women who have been in these situations end up in them again. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, we got engaged. Um, things were okay at first. And then I really saw a drastic change in the relationship. Um, I am not going to share certain details. Um, for my own safety, I don't feel safe sharing details about this person and their family. Um, and anyways, um, basically we got engaged, um, things were okay for, I don't know, maybe a month, maybe. And, um, I began to see a lot of very controlling patterns, um, and I began to see where this guy was just lying to me about little things like, um, like he was, uh, in schooling in a particular schooling in a different city. And like, he wasn't truthful with me about, um, little things like when his summer break was and, um, just a lot of little things. Um, anyways, um, the further into the engagement we got, the more aggressive, he became towards me. And I can't tell you the one particular moment, but there was a lot of moments and a lot of it is still being pieced together in my mind because it was so traumatic that it's hard for me to even, um, explain. Um, but basically, um, somewhere along the line, he started to become very aggressive towards me sexually. And, I'm not saying I hadn't made mistakes before and done things I wasn't proud of, but I did not want to have sex with him uh, before marriage. That is just a personal conviction. I did not want to have sex with him before marriage and no form of sex. I did not want to have vaginal, oral, any kind of sex with him. And so anyways, um, somewhere along the line, um, he started to force himself in my mouth and down my throat. And, um, he would continually, um, force me to give him oral sex. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was just one occasion. It was multiple occasions. And I would, um, try to like come up to breathe, like, and he would just hold me down there and he would make me swallow, um, the semen, um, 
when it came out and he would make me gag. Um, it was, it was really bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, he would continually force me to give him oral sex over and over again. And honestly, I just felt so disgusting. I just felt like, um, I felt like an animal. I felt like I was treated like an animal the way he would do these things to me. And I remember him even um, like making these comments about how in the Bible, it says something along the lines of how you can't deny me when you're my wife. And uh, basically, you're just going to have to get used to it now. Um, By the way, that's not what it says in the Bible, but he twisted things from scripture from the Bible, which I believe. And he tried to make me believe that, um, I was not allowed to deny him sexually or in any way. And so this was something that was just going to be a part of my life. And I remember when he said that he would say it while he was, he would laugh saying it. And I just remember it terrified me. Um, just thinking, you know, if he's forcing me, if he's forcing himself down my throat right now, and doing these disgusting things that make me like choke um, and gag and just disgusting things to me. How much worse is it going to be when I marry him? But for whatever reason, I could not leave. I was number one, I was, I was terrified. And number two, I still held on to this hope that the guy would change that the guy I knew that I used to date would, would come back that, um, that he was just super stressed with school or something. And that's the reason he was being the way he was, but, um, that was not true. Um, so yeah, it was extremely hard for me to leave. There was a lot of other situations involving his family. Um, I remember one time his family, I just went over to like watch, TV or a movie with them and like his dad turned off the TV and like turned to me and started just listing off all these different things I was doing wrong. Um, One specific thing I remember that's always stuck out to me that um, his dad and mom said to me was like that my writing was not okay. I had written, I have a blog and I had written a blog post about how God is the most important thing in my life and more important than anything else. And basically they were super offended by my writing and not just that, but just my writing in general. And, um, yeah, um, they said things about my mom. (laughs) They said things about my family. Um, they told me that, um, my fiance's schooling was more important than me. And that was something I was going to need to get used to. Um, They just listed all these different things that were basically wrong with me and my family and how things were going to be. And my fiance sat there and didn't say one word. He never stood up for me. Um, Oh, yeah. And the greatest part (laughs) they said was I I was like a dishonor to the family name, um, especially like for what I would write on my blog and the blunt way I would write things, which none of my writing then was that vulnerable compared to how I write now. But anyways, yeah, I remember back then I would just, I just sat there 
And when I look back on my story, it breaks my heart to see that I just sat there and took that and I didn't stand up for myself. And that hurts more than realizing he was never going to stand up for me. So that happens. Um, the oral, the forced oral sex happens over and over again. And another thing I was really afraid of, um, another thing that kept me from leaving him was he had pictures of me and appropriate pictures of me that I was honestly terrified if I left him, if I said anything to upset him or anything like that, I was afraid he would share those and try to, I don't know, I guess, ruin my reputation. And my self-esteem was just completely just like just gone, just obliterated. I felt like I was at the lowest I'd ever been and I was terrified. So that's basically um, the relationship in a nutshell. It was just a lot of disgusting oral sex over and over and over again, just forced upon me. And um, I stayed in that engagement for over a year. And there's one specific night I remember um, the night I broke off the engagement, I, um, I was at home, uh, and I was alone. I was living with my, like both my parents at the time. Um, and I was alone and I was arguing with my fiance, like over the phone about something. Um, he, it, it was basically about just trying to make wedding plans. That was another thing he would like hold, like, marriage and wedding plans over my head as like leverage. And um, anyways, we were back and forth on the phone about that. And I was just, I just felt so depleted, just emotionally, physically, just in mentally every single way possible. And I remember I was just lying on the floor, just crying, just sobbing and crying out to God. um, And just saying like, I know things aren't right. I know this is wrong. I know I need to get out of this relationship, but God, I'm terrified. I'm absolutely terrified of what this guy is going to do if I leave. And I just begged God. I just begged him to give me a sign, just something um, to give me the courage to get out. And as soon as I um, I prayed that prayer, I said that, um, I got a phone call from my sister. Um, and my sister said, you know, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm, I tried to sound like I had it all together, even though I'd been sobbing. And I was like, oh, nothing. I'm, I'm just at home. And she was like, you need to come over to my house right now. And I was like, no, I, I promise. Like, I'm fine. And she she stopped me. She said, no, Kimmy, you're not fine. You haven't been fine for well over a year. You're coming over. So I said, yes, ma'am. And I hung up the phone and I went to my sister's house and my sweet brother-in-law took my, my niece and they went outside and did something while me and my sister sat down to talk. And my sister, um, just shared some parts of her story. I had no idea about she, um, some things she had experienced in relationships that I didn't know anything about and she just really encouraged me to get the heck out of that relationship because she could see the signs and she knew like she didn't know what was happening but she knew good things were not happening she knew I was not in a good place um 
And so anyways, as she, her and I are having this conversation, um, my fiance was like arguing with me over text and I had said something like, I think I just, we need a break. And he, he basically just told me, yeah, whatever. Um, I'm going to go watch this football game. And that really, for whatever reason, that really woke me up like, oh, I'm, I'm talking about leaving or like wanting a break and he cares more about a football game. So anyways, me and my sister continue talking and long story short, I ended up breaking off the engagement that night. Um, yeah, so that was a huge step for me getting out of the relationship. And thankfully for me, the guy lived in a different city at the time. And so it was a pretty clean break off. And thankfully he didn't bother me again. Um, for a couple of years, he showed up again recently and that has been something I've been having to deal with. Um, just putting in safety measures, but anyways, yeah. So some things I would really like to share, uh, in regards to my story, um, leaving is hard, but also, um, the effects that come with a sexual assault and abuse, what comes after even leaving the relationship or the situation, um, can be very difficult. I noticed some things that um, kept happening when I got out of that relationship. I, um, I I didn't necessarily get back into an abusive relationship, but I just got into relationships that were just unhealthy and I was just not healthy and I was just seeking healing, honestly, in the arms of another man. And I remember dating one guy who um, I just really like shared everything that happened with my, my ex. And he, um, you know, told me, well, maybe if you just do all the sexual things, um, he forced upon you, maybe if you choose to do that with someone like with me, then maybe you'll feel freedom. And that did not work. <laughs> um, it was re-triggering. And I just found myself, you know, still just in this cycle of, trying to earn love and just trying to fill these broken, these cracks in me from the abuse. And I really had to hit rock bottom again to finally go to counseling. And that's when things really changed for me. I finally went to counseling. And when I went to counseling, I got diagnosed with a panic disorder and with a PTSD. And um, I think just like being able to admit my story and to call it abuse, um, really helped me not to like be in a victim mindset, but it helped me recognize like, I'm not crazy. And the manipulative things he would do and say to me, um, they were him. I was not the crazy one. And, um, it just helped me put some things that were so scattered in my brain and my heart, um, in order. So counseling helped a ton, but what I have seen, especially in the past, I'd say two years, um, I've been out of this relationship for close to five years, four and a half, close to five years, um, now. And 
the past two years, I'd, I'd say what's really been extremely healing for me is finding healthy, safe community. And what I mean by that is finding people that I can share my story with and people that will help me to continually heal and grow and recognize unhealthy patterns I'm living in as a result of the abuse. And when I say this, um, I do also want to emphasize no community, no um, one person is going to be perfect. I think as survivors, something we need to remember is that um, nobody's perfect. That's not an excuse for people to exploit or abuse you further. But what I am saying is as survivors, we have a voice and we can use our voice to share our stories and to share, you know, what does help us and what does not help us and how um, our communities, how the people around us can be a good support system and how they can not only be a good support system, but help stop this madness to, to just um, get to the root cause of this um, in churches and um, schools and communities and um, stop allowing the abuse and instead calling it out for what it is. And um, yeah, just exposing this darkness to the light um, in order for something to be dealt with, it has to be exposed. And so that's why I'm sharing my story today. It's not to, again, it's not to name blast anyone. Um, My intention is not to deface this man and ruin his name, but my intention is to share my story to show other women that you are not alone. You are not what has been done to you and you are not what you have done. You are so much more. And there's power in sharing your story. And you do not, you do not have to do this alone. Don't believe for a second. It is a lie from hell that says you have to do this alone. So I just want to remind you, do not have to do this alone. Uh, I want to say to you and for myself, um, we are more than a body. Uh, I'm more than a body, more than a pretty face. I'm a woman of dignity and grace. I can be gentle as a dove, yet as fierce as a lion. And I will no longer remain quiet about things that matter, about mercy and grace, but also about bringing justice and revealing truth. Speaking of the hope there is for me and you. You are not alone, friend, and your story matters. Thank you for listening to my story. And if you are in a sexual abuse situation or have experienced a sexual assault and you do not have someone to talk to about it, I just want to encourage you to reach out to myself, reach out to Maya, the podcast host, uh, reach out to what was her name, and reach out to someone and get help, friend. Um, Again, this is not a journey you should be walking alone. Um, You are brave for for surviving. You are brave for um, simply listening to this podcast. And I just want to thank you for your time and for being a place where I can share my story. Um, If there's one other thing I could say before going, it would be that... Um, this continues to happen when we remain silent. So please don't be silent. Tell your story again in a way that um, is safe for you and the right timing for you. But um, these things will continue to happen unless we 
do something about it unless we share our stories, unless we start educating people about um, sexual assault and abuse. And um, yeah, your story matters, friend. Thank you for listening.